podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back in Blitz Month continues to ride on. This next one I'm excited about. This is his first proper appearance on Bosco's Boys. He's had uh, appearance doing primers. He's been into live shows on Spotify Green Room. Shout out to Spotify Green Room. They're our sponsor. We go live there every Wednesday at 7 p.m. He is the host, in my opinion, of the single greatest best amazing student radio sports talk show in the world he was working with kso over the summer and he's also the sports editor over at the collegian back at k-state he is the man the myth the legend the guy with the flowing flowing brunette locks it's colin settle colin how are you doing my friend uh i feel i will say pretty damn good i don't think there's a more exciting thing to hear than the boys are back live right in front of you so i like I was, I was hyped up for this. I was ready to go when you when you sent me that message to do this. But hearing that intro, I am I'm absolutely stoked. I am so excited right now. Yeah, I'm I'm so happy to get you on, and it, it's been overdue. I've had a handful of appearances on your show, selling the score over a student radio, and you also put it out on podcast means as well. Um, before we jump into this, and I always kind of go rogue and. Why have an outline if I'm going to go rogue, but I'm going to do it anyways. How has that project been for you over the offseason? What are you kind of ramping up for? And what, what, what are the listeners going to hear uh, this fall on your show? Yeah, I had a, I had kind of a lot towards the end, you know, where you the whole plugging projects thing and stuff like that. Oh, but... Time out, time out. I'm an idiot. I have that at the end. See, here I am getting all ready to do that. Sorry. We're going to wait for the end. That's how excited I'm, and that's how much I love your show. And again, I've said this on your show. Um, and, and again, I I have a regret. I didn't get into student radio when I was there, but I, I feel like since I've left, I've actually listened to you guys on the webpage and app quite a bit. And what you're able to put out there, again, is just awesome for any sort of sports talk, let alone student sports talk. So we'll talk about that at the end. Let's just move into talking about K-State football, and I'll let you plug at the end. Uh, see, I just get excited when I get to talk to you. So you're someone who appreciates the beauty that is big dudes playing football. So what do you expect to see from the big men in the trenches on both sides of the foot, both sides of the football this season for K-State? Uh, in one word, I think it would have to be greatness. I think the offensive and defensive lines are the two strongest points for this team right now. Obviously, on the offensive side, you have five returning starters, but in total, you have seven guys returning. So you have the starting five and then two rotation guys who also saw a lot of playing time as well. I think, you know, there's a lot of talk of where Cooper BB is going to play, you know, Noah Johnson, I think is probably going to hold down that center position pretty well, just being the senior leader, that offensive line, but He's actually it, on the senior bowl watch list, Noah Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Skyler with, Johnson. So Skyler, yeah. I, I think you know, Noah gets like a little bit of undeserved uh, angst amongst some of the fan base. 
and I, I'm sure you're about to get there, but the fact that the senior bowl is putting him on the watch list kind of says, Hey, you know, folks outside of the K-State fan base really value Noah Johnson more than maybe the fans do. Exactly. Yeah. I think Noah Johnson is really going to hold, obviously he might not be the most talented offensive lineman. I think a lot of people talk about Cooper Beebe being that guy in the, in the coming years as he gets older and progresses through his career but Noah Johnson being that senior leader, I think he's really going to be able to hold down the line. Uh, and, you know, there's some other question marks with some other positions there as well. But I think Noah and Cooper are going to be the guys on that offensive line. And honestly, I uh, I wasn't going to bring him up, but I think Jack Stanin could be thrown in with the blocking as well. I know you're a big fullback guy. So I know Jack Stanin could and Mason Barta could probably be thrown in with that group as well, just as big blocking threats. And then on the defensive line, I think Khalid Duke is going to have a monster year. I think uh, Boom Massey, Bronson Massey is going to have a big year. I think the addition of Timmy Horn is probably one of the biggest transfers to come in on this team. Uh, Eli Huggins, you had, I just think, I think this D, this whole offensive and defensive line group is the strongest point of the team right now with the least amount of question marks. And they're the groups that I'm most excited about. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing for those guys in the trenches. And I think, you know, if you want to talk about big dudes playing football, I think it's fair to bring up Jackson. I mean, the dude looks like a bowling ball out there. And I think, in, yeah, well, and then in, in those clips, those like, you know, two minute hype videos they're putting out from practice, there's been a couple of times where he's like hauling in like one handed passes. So, you know, I, I, I love seeing that. And I want to see them break out that Dalton Reisner play for uh, BB and see if we can get him in the end zone this year. I would love that. I would love to see any and all offensive linemen get into the end zone because all they do is just bump uglies and run into each other. But hey, man, they're the last ones to get credit. They're the first ones to get blamed. I think it's time to switch that around, man. I love it. And, and that's why I love what you do on your show, because you're always giving the big guy some love. So always. You, you might have shown your hand. Oh, actually, well, I, I, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to skip around a little bit. You get you kind of showed your hand a little bit, but. Uh, you know, I think you're saying offensive line and defensive line, you have the most confidence in, um, and you talked about why you have that confidence. Let, let's go to where are you least confident? Where are you, you know, kind of sharing the most worry over what position groups? So I have two in my mind, uh, and that's the wide receivers and linebackers. If we're looking on both sides of the ball, I think the linebackers – are the position that has the most to prove. I think they're the group where no one's really sure what to expect. Obviously, I think personally, I think a lot of people really like Daniel Green, uh, but I'm a, I don't want to say I'm a much bigger fan. I really like Wayne Jones. I loved how he played it at safety. I love this move for him coming down to play this outside linebacker in whatever defense K-State decides to run in a 4-3, 30-stack, 3-5, you know, whatever they want to run, right? I think his athleticism is enough to carry him through any position that he plays. I think Wayne Jones is probably the most athletic linebacker uh, that we have. And then, obviously, Cody Fletcher, say what you will about him. I think uh, it's going to be telling how this group performs depending on how Cody performs as well. Cause I know a lot of people don't like him. There are other people that do like him. I'm sort of indifferent, but I think the fact of the matter is the middle linebacker position is what holds down the, uh, the entire defense. 
And if you don't have a guy there that can control that position and run the defense, you're going to be in trouble. Not to say that he will or won't, but this defense is going to depend on his leadership in the middle of the field, I think. And then with the wide receivers, they probably have the biggest question mark in my mind with injuries, with, you know, younger guys maybe being able to step up. I know that was something she wanted to go into later, so I'll save that. But like Sebastian Taylor, probably not going to be 100% going into the season. Hopefully Malik is 100% going into the season. I think the only 100% healthy receiver is going to be Phillip Brooks going into the season. And if we're only three deep at that point, what, what are we going to expect with this receiver group? So it's, it's the linebackers and the receivers that kind of scare me a little bit. But other than that, I feel pretty good about this team overall. Definitely. So let's go back to a question three I had on here. I, I've been following what the collegian has been doing in this countdown to kickoff. And you guys are kind of previewing each guy on the roster by Jersey number correlating to how many days out from the football season we are. Um, what is something that either you or your staff, because like, you, you know, I said at the top sports editor, you're the head honcho over there. So like, what is something that maybe has caught your eye or your staff side when you're looking through that, that might be a guy who surprises folks this season? I don't think he's going to surprise anybody just because there's so much hype around him already. But Daniel Imator Bebe, or Bebe as they call him, the tight end transfer from USC, played up in Iowa. I think he is going to probably have one of the better seasons, better receipt, better seasons as a pass catcher on this team uh, this season. Because I he, he's a big guy. I know he'll be able to block, and I know that's what uh, Coach Kleiman wants to do. He wants to run the ball, especially with this three-headed monster that they might have in the running back room. So him being able to get out of this blocking mold and being able to become – you know, a pass catcher that K-State not necessarily hasn't had in the past at tight end, but I think being able to be more productive than some other tight ends in the past in the passing game, I think tight ends are super valuable and they need to be utilized more. And I think he's probably the guy to do that. Definitely. I, I'm so excited for him. So I, I, I think that is going to be one that everyone is getting hyped over. So now it's time to get you to go on the record with some predictions for this football season. Um, I, I know you are a smart guy, so I'm thinking, I, I'm feeling confident with yours. So if I can get some Vegas prop bets to kind of <laughs> fall in line with anything you say here, I'm, I'm going to be pumped for it. So first off, no, no restrictions. I think this is easy. I think it's one of two guys. Um, but who do you think is going to be the offensive MVP if I put no restrictions on that question? Skylar Thompson. Easy. I, I'm probably one of the biggest Skylar Thompson fans here in Manhattan. I've been high on him ever since. I see, I everyone talks about like, oh yeah, I remember where I was when blah, 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 this happened, right? I remember exactly where I was when I saw that Skylar Thompson committed. And I, I've been high on him ever since he's been here at K-State. So big Skylar Thompson guy. I think he's going to have a great season. Statistically, he could probably, he's fifth right now in, I think, all-time, all-purpose yards, or not all-purpose yards, but offensive production uh, with, I don't even know at this point, but I think statistically, he could probably finish top three all-time in offensive total yards, but I feel like that's too obvious. So, uh, you know, the guy that I'm going to go with who 
The, and the, it could be a stretch. I think Malik Knowles is going to have a great season. I think if he can find ways to stay healthy, because that's been his issue, is the injury bug over his time here at K-State. But he's a big receiver. He's fast. He's got that long arm span. He can reach and get, you know, he's he's a talented receiver. We've seen it in the past. But the injury bug has plagued him throughout his career so far. But if he can stay healthy with Skyler coming back and with, you know, this possible two quarterback rotation thing going on right now, I think Will Howard's progressed a lot as well. So I feel good about the future at quarterback, but if Malik Knowles can stay healthy, I think he's going to have a fantastic season. I, I agree with you. I like both those picks. So, Who's going to be your defensive MVP again? I don't think this one is as easy as, you know, saying Deuce or Skyler for offense. And then last year we had to say, okay, everyone's saying Wyatt Hubert, who outside Wyatt Hubert. I personally don't think that there is this, hey, this is the obvious guy. You might disagree. So who do you have as the eventual defensive MVP? Mm -hmm. I would agree. I think, um, you know, there's not going to be that one guy that stands out. I think it's going to be a combination of a lot of different players that be get put into a system to where they all work together. I think John McPherson's going to have a good season. I think, uh, you know, Wayne Jones is going to have a good season. I think Reggie Stubblefield coming in is going to have a great season. But the guy I think who's going to stand out is Khalid Duke. I think definitely the best pass rusher on the team. You know, he showed obviously when you have a guy like Wyatt Hubert playing, you know, across from you, he's going to get a lot more attention, which I think freed him up to, you know, not necessarily pad his stats, but he was able to produce a lot more when more attention was on somebody else. But I think Khalid Duke is the most athletic pass rusher. I think he's the best pass rusher on this team. And then with the additions of these guys like Timmy Horn and Eli Huggins and all these guys in the middle that are going to, you know, do their job to force quarterbacks out of the pocket right into his arms, I think uh, Khalid Duke is going to have a good season. And I think he's probably the best guy in that front seven on defense. Awesome. All right. So now is where the fun really begins. And he really gets to kind of go out on a limb on some of these. So who do you have as your young breakout player on offense? And I'm saying young breakout is a freshman or sophomore who is yet to make a major impact on the yeah, I have I have a few guys that I wanted to bring up, and they're all in the wide receiver room. Um, oh, except for Joe Irvin. Sorry, I'll bring up Joe Irvin really quick. Uh, I think he'll have a great season, especially with the way that Kleiman has been talking him up, and you know, with the with the reps and touches he's been getting here in the offseason. I think he'll have a great season. Uh, everyone, so so in the receiver room, in terms of young guys, I feel like everyone's talking about RJ Garcia and Keenan Garber. Those are the two guys where everyone's like, they'll come in and play the slot and, you know, figure, figure it out as they go. And they'll, they'll be really good. One guy that I think is flying under the radar is Dylan white. He's a transfer from Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh state. He comes from Pittsburgh, Kansas. Here's the thing about Dylan white. I pulled up his stats here because I wasn't going to be able to remember it, but in high school, he was named the sports in Kansas class four, a offensive player of the year. Over the course of his junior and senior year, he had over 1,500 all-purpose yards. Uh, his senior year, he had over 850 receiving yards and 18 touchdowns. He had 18 touchdowns his senior year as a receiver. And then his junior year, he had 690 yards and 10 touchdowns as well. So this dude is a good receiver. He's a good athlete. He's 6'1", 180. I think the athletic training staff at K-State 
State does a great job in bulking guys up and they get them big. Uh, so, yeah, I think Dylan White is a guy to keep on. He's a sophomore right now, transferred in. He played He played uh, uh, at Pitt State's um, season. They only played three or four games, and then COVID hit, and they had to shut everything down. But he transferred in, sophomore. I think Dylan White is a guy who maybe won't – see the field a ton this season but in the coming seasons I think he's a guy to really watch for to be to be really productive okay so I'm going to be saving this episode I'm going to clip that so when Dylan White eventually has like a big game whether it's this year next year at some point I can give you the proper pub and then if he never sees the field I won't ever tweet it out I'm a good guy so I won't won't do that but I I love that answer You're, you're going deep and Man, that that could be one of the best predictions of all time if it comes to fruition. So <laughs> you'll be going in the Blitz Month Hall of Fame if that turns out to be true. So I really gonna, hope. So. Yeah, so do I, man. That would be awesome. Um, we're gonna flip it to the defensive side of the ball. Same question: young breakout player, freshman or sophomore, who's yet to make an impact? Yeah, I'm really. I'll, I'll, so I'm kind of the same way. There's a lot of guys that I feel really confident about, and then there's one guy that I think is really gonna stand out. Uh, but the two guys I wanted to highlight real quick, T. Denson, I think, is going to be a really good corner here at K-State. Should have had his first interception against KU last season as a true freshman, but got P.I. He got, like, ripped around the neck or something like that. But should, should have had a pick. He had a, I, think, I think he's going to be really good. I watched a lot of his film coming out of high school. I think he comes from Georgia. I could be wrong. Um, he comes from a high school in Georgia, but he's really aggressive. He's going to play down to the ball. I think he's going to be a really – he's he, and that's the thing. is like K-State I don't think is known for having really big corners either. You look at DJ Reed, who is, what, six foot. You look at T. Denson, who I think is probably close to that. And I think – not to say that he's going to be a DJ Reed type player, but I think having undersized corners isn't an issue for K-State. The other guy on defense – that I'll highlight before my main player here is Nate Matlack, who is going to be a sophomore defensive end. He made a few good highlights during practice. I think he's a big body who I think they're going to bulk up as well um, over his time here at K-State. But Nate Matlack is a guy that I think is going to be productive here in the future. But the guy that I wanted to highlight on is TJ Smith. He's a safety number seven hard hitter he got his his season last season was cut short due to injury uh but i know i think it was uh uh k-state fan clint i think he put out a big highlight of his game against texas tech where he was absolutely just obliterating people he will come downhill and absolutely smash you in the mouth the way that the way that you know these downhill safeties want to play he will hit hard and i think as long as he can stay confident and not play scared because of his injury I think he's going to have a great say because obviously you bring in Russ Yeast you have Sincere Mason coming in you have uh, Jerome McPherson up top I think those will be the three but TJ Smith as far as young guys go I think will probably have a by the time his career is done here at K-State I think he'll have a pretty good impact. Yeah, all great guys on that list. I think I talked about this with uh, Flando. I can't remember who I talked about with, but Nate Matlack might kind of win the off-season body transformation award. I think Kleiman said that he like bulked up close to, you know, 25 or 30 pounds just in this one off-season. And who he also works with a trainer in Kansas City. And I think his trainer was tweeting out like his vertical jump stats and all this type of stuff. He like 
gained a bunch of muscle, but then increased his vertical jump, had a better 40 time, better three cone drill. The guy has just kind of been like a uh, athletic monster this off season. So I'm very excited for him. And again, uh, I think between Grant and I, we're, we're two of the biggest TJ Smith fans and T Denson, you know, the Georgia boys. So you're coming after my heart with those questions. And, and that's why, that's why you're one of my favorites. You know exactly how to get to me with those answers. <laughs> All right. Yeah. TJ Smith is going to be a monster. I really think so. And same with, same with Nate Malak for sure. Yep. All right. So here's the biggest, uh, or not the biggest, here's my favorite question to ask every blitz week, blitz month, you know, next, maybe like starting, you know, this off season will be blitz off season. We count down football from the day basketball ends all the way to the season, you know, keep growing this thing. But what do you think is going to be the pendulum game of the year? The one game that if we win, it could swing the season towards being possibly great. But if we lose it, it could swing it towards being bad. Yeah, I got two games here and they're back to back and they're pretty early on. I think Nevada and then OSU. I think that those two stretch of games are going to be the biggest for this team because obviously you go Stanford, Southern Illinois, and then you have Nevada. And everyone's saying, oh, Nevada is going to be the hardest game here because they had the best record, should have been in the top 25. But here's the deal. Nevada's opponents last season were 30 and 38. They did not. They played, I think, one team. They beat one or two teams that were above 500 last season. So they didn't play much success, but they had success. They have a lot of returning, uh, a lot of returning players. They have a really good tight end. They have another really good receiver who are both a thousand yard uh, Bolitnikov type players, right? So I mean, they have the talent uh, on offense, and their defense is also pretty good as well. But in terms of just like the swing game type, you know, mentality, if K State drops this game against Nevada. I think they will most likely go two and four to start the season because I think Stan, hopefully they'll win Stanford. I, I'm pretty certain they're going to win Southern Illinois. You have Nevada at home. If you can win that game and keep your momentum going into Stillwater the next week and say what you want about Stillwater, I still think it's a pretty tough place to play in terms of crowd noise, atmosphere, stuff like that. Like their fans will get into it and they'll make it hard for you to, to compete at a high level. So still, it's, I mean, say what you want about Oklahoma State and Stillwater, but I think that that's probably a tough place to play. And then you have Oklahoma and then Iowa State immediately following. So you're playing what could be the top three, top four teams in the conference in the first six games of your schedule. So I think you have to win Nevada and you have to win Oklahoma State. If K-State is 4-0 going into Oklahoma, I'll feel really good about this team. It's going to be tough. I think they can get it done. The defense scares me a little bit as a whole. I think the offense is the more complete unit, if you will. But yeah, I uh, oh, it's going to be it's going to be Nevada and OSU. It's going to be those first two games there that that last out of conference and the first in conference and that's going to be those are going to be the most important games on the schedule. I tell you what, if we win both those, that Oklahoma game is going to be lit. Um, so here's the most important question, I think. What do you currently, we're sitting here, we're recording this on uh, August 13th. Uh, what do you think K-State's record is going to be? I'm going to give it a soft eight and four. I think this team is too talented to not win at least six or seven games. I think. 
at most in my mind, and this is definitely a stretch, I think 10 and two is probably the absolute height of this team right now, just because Oklahoma and Iowa State look like they're going to at least try and run the conference finger quote there. And those are going to be the hardest games on the schedule, I think. Granted, we have them both at home, which I think helps. But eight and four, I think, is where I'm sitting right now. Most likely more around the realm of seven and five will probably drop one to West Virginia, OSU. So, you know, some dumb game that we should have won, kind of like OSU last year. Um, but I think seven and five, eight and four with like a third or fourth place finish in the Big 12. And then going on to a bowl game and then probably winning a bowl game is most likely what we're going to see from this team. Yes, I, I, I currently, and I've gone back and forth. I'm right there with you. And I have to give uh, Colin some credit. He is a pro as, as he's giving his prediction. Here I am trying to wrangle my dog to keep him from going to the bathroom inside. And you handled me going rogue and running around my house like a pro there. So uh, here's the next question. Who are you predicting to be in the Big 12 championship game in Arlington? Sadly, if it goes the way you're predicting with K-State, I don't think K-State will make a second appearance in Arlington. So who do you have playing in that game? Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that Oklahoma is going to be one of the, if not the top team in the conference. I think they're too talented as a, as a whole cohesive unit offense and defense to not be successful. I think they have a lot of really good parts uh, and a coaching staff that really knows what they're doing. But after that, honestly, I think it could be a toss-up. I really think if, if K-State can go on a run and have a really good season, they could possibly make the championship. I think Iowa State is the team in a lot of people's minds right now just due to, I don't know if it's the AP rankings. I don't know what it is about that team. It might be Brees Hall that, that gets people really high on Iowa State. And I know they have a few good linebackers as well. But I know I know a lot of people are high on Iowa State, but I think this second spot could be a pretty big toss-up in my mind between either Iowa State, K-State, OSU maybe, if they figure something out, probably not. But I don't think – the only other team that I think is going to compete, uh, possibly West Virginia. I don't want to say Texas because Texas are frauds. Uh, but West Virginia might be another team that – could pod they they won't make the championship, but I think they're definitely a team that can finish top half of the conference. Um, but yeah, Oklahoma for sure is is the front runner in my mind, and then possible most likely it'll be Iowa State. Uh, but don't count out K State, uh, OSU, God forbid Texas, you know any of those teams as well. I tell you what, it would be a lot of fun to have K State versus Oklahoma State down in Arlington or even K-State, Iowa State, a rematch, a Farmageddon rematch. Mm -hmm. If we could somehow get Oklahoma and Texas not in that game, I'd be so happy. Oh, imagine imagine if K-State goes – okay, so so bear with me here. K-State goes 4-0 to start the season, right? You get Oklahoma at home, and everyone's like, ah, Oklahoma is the number two team in the nation. They've gotten progressively better every year that we played them. K-State wins – a third year in a row against Oklahoma in Manhattan. We have Iowa State at home next week. Iowa State looking at their schedule is most likely going to be undefeated going into K-State. Imagine Ready for a hot take? I think they lose two games before K-State. Really? Where, where do you have them dropping? I'm curious. 
they're going to lose to Iowa. And what's their Big 12 opener? Oh, shoot. I have it here. Hold on. I'll get that pulled up. I'm also like the biggest Iowa State hater in the world. Uh, uh, actually, yes, no, they no. They'll, they'll only lose one because they're not going to lose to Baylor and they're not going to lose to KU. Northern Iowa, then they have Iowa, UNLV, Baylor, KU. Yeah, so they're going to beat Northern Iowa. They'll lose to, or they'll lose to Iowa. They'll kill UNLV. They'll yeah. squeak by Baylor. KU is going to be within a touchdown in the third quarter, but they end up winning by two possessions, and then we beat them. So there's my Iowa State prediction. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty reasonable. I think Iowa also has a good squad. I can think about that. But imagine if both teams were undefeated going oh. into week six. College game day, Farmageddon in Manhattan. It, it, it might have to be back-to-back college game days. That's in what I'm saying. Because, you know, if, if we're undefeated and we're bringing Oklahoma to town, you know, Chris Kleiman's Lincoln Riley's kryptonite, so they're going to stay there. And then all of a sudden, it's like a top-10 matchup. They're just good. Well, I guess there's a bye week. So they, they would go somewhere else, and then they'd come right back to Manhattan. They'd be like, yeah. Manhattan, we're coming back. So that would Absolutely. be wild. That is that is my biggest hope for the season is we get college game day against either Oklahoma or ISU. That would be absolutely. And then, you know, Lee Corso or whoever, they're going to wipe the board and everyone's going to take Iowa State and blah, 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 whatever. But all those predictions are dumb before the game anyways. But yeah, that would be that would be absolutely electric. Yep. Last year, we asked everyone how many football games K-State would play because of the COVID-19 pandemic. They got the entire schedule in. This year, an equally kind of uh, sad question to ask, but who all is K-State sharing a conference with in 2022? Uh, and that's a, that's a tough question because it's still down the road. Um, and this is, this is the big thing with the whole conference realignment that I've been trying to figure out the most because I feel like there are so many question marks surrounding it. But gosh, man, I think... I think Bob Booz, Boolsby, sorry, is going to try his best to keep this conference intact, whether that's with eight members to start, whether they bring in some other members. I, I really think they're going to try and keep it intact, and I don't think it's going to work. I think here in the next few years, the Big 12, unless they get some super nice talent and another team just emerges as the next you know, Oklahoma in that they just run the conference for for the foreseeable future and then drop a game or two here and there. But it's it's really unfortunate. I don't want to see the Big 12 disband, but it looks like that's where we're going. I think in 2022, they'll most likely still have at least the Big 12 minus OU in Texas intact. They might try and bring in some teams, but as for right now, I don't, I, I want to give an answer, but I just don't know. I really just don't know what to think and what to expect, but I, I can hope and I hope that the big 12 stays intact, but I, I really realistically don't think it will. Definitely. All right. So here's where I, I was trying to jump the shark here. Now I want you to plug everything you're doing for this upcoming fall, because again, you're a busy man, and uh, you know I think you exemplify kind of the idea of a student journalist when it comes to covering uh, sports. So I want you to plug everything that you're involved with, everything you're going to be doing this fall, 
and uh, just let all the listeners and boneheads know uh, what you got on your plate. Yeah, I apologize. I tried to mute myself. I think I just coughed over here. <laughs> here Dude, it's fine. So here, here's the glory about Bosco's boys. We do the whole for the fans, by the fans. Grant and I, we don't pretend to try to be journalists or even professionals, even though we get paid. One of our great sponsors, Spotify Green Room. We go live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Colin's been there. Taylor Bratt jumped jumped in. You never know who's going to be there. Join us, Spotify Green Room, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. We don't edit anything out. And honestly, the only reason I've been trying to mute myself during some of this time is my dog squeaking. He went to the bathroom inside while it is. Like I said, you're the professional here. You've handled this like a pro, and you have a work schedule like a pro when it comes to covering K-State Athletics. So let's get back to it. What all do you have going on this fall? Yeah, that was a great little ad read there. That was that was great improv thrown in. But yeah, my uh, my schedule is going to be pretty tight this semester. I'm talking with, uh, hoping to talk with a lot of players. I know uh, we're recording this on the 13th, and this probably won't go out until, what, the 16th, sometime next week, the 17th. Um, but yeah, earlier this week, talking... This Friday, I got to talk with Chris Harper, former receiver. Per, he's, a, he's a personal favorite that I got to see play, so that was really cool. I'm actually talking with uh, Harry Trotter right after we finish this Zoom. Uh, Devin Ankles coming back, so we're gonna. I'm gonna be talking with a lot of players, hopefully some coaches and some other media members as well. Uh, you know, you were talking about it. My show, settling the score, is on. Wildcat 91.9, the KSDB station, the student station. I've been doing that for probably about a year and a half now, and that's a lot of fun with my co-host, uh, Nate Gray, as well. And then, like you said, I'm uh, I'm the sports editor over at the Collegians, so if you have any tips or, you know, anything you want to send over that way, you know, to have all ears, can't guarantee that I'll publish everything, but, you know, I'll have uh, I'll have that blind eye or whatever they call it towards that, but... A few other things that I'm just involved with. Um, there's one thing that I was invited to that I think is really cool. It's called the College Football Student Media Poll. So this, uh, they, they call it the SMP Top 25, the Student Media Poll Top 25. It's essentially what the AP does. But with this, we have over, I think it's close to 110-ish uh, college students from all across the nation. We have representatives from, I think, every D1 uh, football program in the nation. I think aside from Baylor, oh, well, what would, what, I mean, what else would you expect? But I think uh, we have, we have uh, students from all over the nation and we come together. Uh, it's a, it's a top 25 media poll put together by the students voted on by the students at these universities so i think that's pretty cool go follow them it's at student media 25 on twitter they we're gonna have polls out every week um patrick feltz is a guy that uh is running it but yeah that's a that's a really cool thing that i'll be getting to do and then you know like you said i'm a busy guy i got a busy schedule this year uh i'll be graduating from k-state in december so I'm getting uh, my BS in journalism with an emphasis in sports broadcasting. And then I'm also getting a coaching certificate as well. So hopefully I'll be able to go assistant or head coach. I know I'm going to be hopefully working with uh, Weston Moody over in Wamigo this year, uh, helping out and assistant coaching his team. But 
yeah, I graduate in December. I have no obligations or anything ready to go yet. So if anyone listening has any work opportunities or know anyone that is needing a sports broadcasting journalism major, uh, hit me up, please. Definitely. Well, we, we appreciate you coming on again. I'm a massive fan of your work. I can't wait to see everything you're involved in this fall. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the student top 25 compares to the AP top 25. I think that's a really fun thing that's going to be going on. And I love that Baylor's being left out of that. They suck. Um, so I could, be wrong. I could be wrong. I know it's one big 12 team isn't represented the last time I checked. And it's probably Baylor. I don't want to assume, but it's probably Baylor. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to pretend it's Baylor because I hate them. <laughs> we never bring them on to our show. So I'm hoping that's the same for you guys. So that's all we have. Again, uh, what, what's your Twitter handle so everyone can give you a follow on Twitter? At Colin underscore settle, C-O-L-I-N. I know I got a lot of flack on that growing up because – it's two L's, Colin Klein, whatever, right? It's C-O-L-I-N underscore S-E-T-T-L-E. All right, give Colin a follow. Keep up with all the great work he's doing. Blitz Month continues on. And again, Colin, this was one of my favorites so far that we've done this Blitz Month. I appreciate it, and I can't wait to uh, see, what, see all the stuff you're involved in this fall. And I can't wait to see what you got going on after December. No doubt, whatever you get into, you're going to be wildly successful. I appreciate that. I really do. I'll have to have uh, you come back on my show as well once uh, things start ramping up. Yeah, no, I, I can't wait. So that's all we got. Again, we have a show dropping every single weekday leading up to the game down in Arlington versus Stanford. If Grant was here, he'd say meet me at the Cathead. I say be nice to everyone, love everyone except for OU and Texas fans. And I gave Iowa State fans a temporary reprieve, but no, be mean to them and just ignore Baylor fans. They suck as well. So we love you guys, and we'll uh, be talking to you again tomorrow. Go Cats, baby. It's time to get set for the Cat Attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on for Kansas State. The feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be with Kansas State. Come on, set your spirit free. Kansas State, our pride is with the cats. Kansas State, come on, join the cat attack. Kansas State, excitement's in the air. Kansas State, the fun is being there. Having a good time there. Purple and white we share. Showing our colors Social Podcast Network.